I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 13 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a caprest journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back to the show, David. Hello, no problem. Yeah, enjoy myself. I'm, I'm glad. But uh, did, did he ever marry the girl? Did he ever go exploring? <laughs> <laughs> Preempting, he's, he's moving too fast. His old Clarence there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so minute thirteen begins with Clarence uh, trying to clarify things and ends with George talking about bovines. <laughs> so yesterday we we ended things with George. George is in the uh, the luggage store slash sporting goods store, and I, 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 you know, now at the beginning of this this minute, we can actually see the full name of the of the store because it's on the, the 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 window of the door where it says World Luggage and Sporting Goods Store. You know, which again, it's a very strange combination. <laughs> um, not necessarily, uh, you know, make, makes you wonder why they would make that type of connection back in whenever this is taking place. Again, we're going we're gonna to still have to wait until tomorrow to find out exactly when this is ah. taking place. Sorry, David. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to keep you and the listeners uh, engaged <laughs> and, and wanting to, you know, be here tomorrow to find out the exact date of, of this, this, uh, this scene or this part of the movie. Hmm. And, you know, so, and, and then while George is in the shop, the, 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 the store owner, Joe, or the, the, I don't know if he's the proprietor or just the guy working there, you know, is, is trying to sell George a suitcase and George doesn't want it. And George just starts saying he wants a really big suitcase and then it's freeze framed. And then we, we, we get, uh, you know, Clarence and, and Joseph still having their conversation as to who this character is. You know, it's obviously George Bailey, but, uh, so Clarence then says, oh, you mean the kid that had his ear slapped back by the druggist? That's the kid. Ah, it's a good face. I like it. I like George Bailey. Tell me, did he ever tell anybody about the pills? Not a soul. Did he ever marry the girl? Did he ever go exploring? Well, wait and see. <laughs> so you see, Joseph is just like me. He wants to keep people in suspense. You got to still wait a little longer to, to find out. But they, you know, I, I like the way that they're basically keeping up up to speed by having this uh, somewhat external exposition, you know, of having the conversation between Clarence and Joseph, where where they're basically they're basically updating us that okay, this is this this is a grown up George, and you're gonna have to wait and find out if he if he got to do all the exploring and 
you know, and what happens with Mary and all that stuff. It does remind you, as I guess it keeps reminding you that it's a flashback as well, because it, a huge proportion of the film is this flashback, really, from from the start. Correct. So it's um, it reminds you that there's uh, of, of, of that we're we're eventually going back to what we saw at the very beginning. Right. I mean, when, when, George, when, yeah. when Jay was on two weeks ago, so we tried figuring out about the fact of approximately what time in space and time. Uh, Joseph and, and Clarence are talking about this because, you know, it's something that happens, uh, you know, he says they only have an hour to get ready, you know, which would have been really cool if the the segment of telling George's life story really would have just taken an hour. It takes longer. So, yeah. but but then again, in, in, in the place where this is being told in space and time or heaven or whatever you believe or whatever you want to, you know, about where this is happening... Uh, you know, time is not necessarily a constant. Mm. You know, it could be something that's very different. And therefore, you know, the, the, you know, we talked a little bit back then about the fact that, okay, um, you know, Franklin knew that this was George's big day, meaning that it was something that was predestined. But Joseph and Clarence didn't know that. Mm, yeah. So the idea is, don't you think that they would have maybe given uh, Clarence more time to prepare for something like this, then an hour. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you know, it could be that they're going to say, okay, you have two weeks to prepare for this. Uh, we're going to tell you everything that's happened over the last, uh, you know, 40 years or whatever it is, you know, that type of thing. So it was just very strange the, the way they do it, but okay. It's, it's what it is. That's, that's the story. That's the way they tell it. And, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep it and, and, uh, you know, go flow with it, with the way that they do it here moving yes and and then the uh freeze frame ends and then we we hear george say big see i don't want one for one night i want one i want something for 1001 nights with plenty of room here for labels from italy and baghdad samarkand great big thing about and then joe says i see a flying carpet Huh? So he goes, yeah. So I, I just want to quickly touch upon some of the things that he mentions here. I mean, he mentions a thousand one nights. Are, are you familiar with what that is? Hmm, yeah, uh, the famous um, book um, with um, Aladdin and all that kind of stuff in there. Hmm. Very famous. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's the idea of, of a whole bunch of of stories that were put together. There's like a frame story of someone telling these stories to people and stuff mm. like that you know so you have sharad is is telling all of these stories to like little kids and and stuff like that i mean we're not going to go into all the different uh, stories because there again there are a thousand and one of them so we don't need to uh talk about that but but you know the the the, the great thing about it is, is that all of these stories are completely different like some of them uh you know some of them feel like science fiction stories and you know some of them are just uh uh, you know, stories about sorcerers and magicians, and some of them actually are about erotica, tragedies, comedies, love stories. I mean, there's there's so many d different stories here. I mean, the I I, I don't know all of the one thousand and one stories. You know, I, I so I, I couldn't tell you what they are, but they you know the things dealing with uh, genies and and mermaids and things happening in different worlds. Stuff like that, which which is really cool that you know they were able to take this collection of all these different stories and put them together and also have it framed, you know, that someone is telling these stories 
uh, you know, like you said, Aladdin is one of the stories, and you have Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, mm. which are stories that that were at some point added to the whole thing. You have uh, you know Sinbad the, the Sailor is there also, and things like that. So it's fascinating that shows how well read George is. That even at this time, let's let's say George is like twenty two at this point or twenty three, something like that. Again, we're not. I'm not going to tell you exactly how old he is, but he's in his he's in his early twenties at this point. It means that he's gone to the library and he's familiar. I mean, we we know that he was talking about National Geographic Society and how much he loves listen, you know, uh, uh, reading about all these different places that he can travel to. So you know, it makes sense that he would probably go to the library and take out the the book One Thousand and One Nights and and you know read up on all these stories to give him different ideas of where he wants to go and what he wants to do with his life, you know, different places to travel, stuff like that. He mentions Italy, he mentions Baghdad, which obviously both of those places are very different at this time, you know, in the the 1920s, 1930s, than things are today, you know, a hundred years later. And he also mentions some, uh, Samarkand. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm, no. I've, I've never even heard of it either. It was something I had to look it up. It's, it's actually in Uzbekistan. Oh, wow. And it is one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in Central Asia. Hmm. And they're, they, they currently have uh, about a half a million inhabitants. And it is the second largest city in Uzbekistan. It's wow. just, for me, it was, it's strange. You know, he's saying Italy, Baghdad, and then he's Samarkand, throwing that out there. I guess it's all showing, showing his uh, passion for adventure and uh, excitement and thrills around the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'll sadly never get to see. <laughs> uh, no, no. But it's also, like I said, it's strange the different places that he wants to go. Mm, yeah. It's you know, quite he a wants to, selection. That's right. He wants to go to Italy and he wants to go to Baghdad and he wants to go to Uzbekistan. You know, <laughs> you know, and you, you'd think that he would be more interested based on different types of, of things that he talked about last week that, that he would want to go to Africa or South America and things like that, not necessarily travel through, through Europe right away. You know, obviously it is something that he will probably want to go to at some point, but you know, I don't know. And you know, Joe's response was, uh, well, I see I flying carpet, huh? Mm -hmm. So I guess Joe, Joe realizes that in order to get around all these different places, you gotta be able to do it much quicker. <laughs> and what better way to do it is by using a flying carpet. It links to the whole Arabian Nights thing, I guess, as well, I guess. That's right. That's right. Um, which you are completely right about, because it is one of the most famous stories in the 1001 Nights. So first of all, a flying carpet is also known as a magic carpet. And it is a legendary carpet uh, that is used often in fantasy fiction. Whereas it's a form of transportation that can quickly or instantaneously carry its user to any destination quite quickly, you know, quite speedily. So I guess that's the idea of what uh, Joe is saying down here. He's saying, okay, you know, you want to get from place to place as quickly as possible. So why not use a flying carpet? But again, he's looking for a suitcase. He's not looking for, he's not saying I want, I want a train. I want a suitcase. I want to be able to carry everything, you know, from one place to the other. The stories of a thousand one nights. Uh, talks about how Prince uh, Hussein, who was the eldest son of the Sultan of the Indies, was uh, travels to India and buys a magic carpet. And you know that's that's one of the the stories about him flying around on this uh, 
on this carpet. You know, in in uh, there's even a Mark Twain story called Captain Stormfield's Visit to Heaven, which has uh, magic carpets that are used throughout heaven. And yeah, th- those are the two main ones that uh, that I mean, obviously we know about Aladdin because what would Aladdin be without a magic carpet? Mm, absolutely. You know, he, you wouldn't have been able to get out of, you know, the Cave of Wonders that way without it. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the old um, silent one. It's, um, I can't remember the actual title. Oh, I'm trying to remember now. The old silent one, Aladdin? No, it's not Aladdin. Although it might be, it's not called Aladdin, but I think it's got, I'm going to have to look it up, but there's an amazing magic habit scene right at the end. Oh, Thief of Baghdad, that's it. Mm. Mm, that's a fantastic movie, the old 20s version. Well, there's loads of versions of it, but I love the, the 20s version with Douglas Fairbanks. That's got an awesome flying carpet bit at the end. Some old school special effects. Oh, wow. Um, that, that work a treat. That's really cool. And then he actually gets a, a little surprised by Joe's response because Joe then says, oh, so I don't suppose you'd like this old secondhand job, would you? And he pulls out a suitcase and shows it to him and he goes, now you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use that as a raft in case the boat sunk because we see how big this, this trunk is. He goes, how much does it cost? He goes, no charge. And then, like, he turns around and goes, that's my trick here, Joe. It sounded like you said no charge. <laughs> so, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier this week, but, you know, it's funny that he mentions that it's my trick ear. You know, it's the, he's, he's apparently deaf in that ear. He can't hear anything. So how is that a trick ear? Is that, like, the phrase that someone would use, you know, by saying that, okay, this is the the – or maybe it's a, it, instead of him having to outright say to people that he's deaf in that ear, you know, that this is the ear that tricks me. So you got to talk into the other ear or something like that. Unless it's more, I guess a trick, it could be, could be seen as like a, if you have a trick finger or something like that, it's like a fake one. So I guess because it doesn't work, he kind of maybe jokes, jokes and calls it what you'd call a fake ear, I guess. Um, so yeah, it works for me. Yeah. No, I just like the way that 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 he says it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it it works. But and he like he 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 like cups his ear as he's saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And he says, uh, you know, did did you just say no charge? You know, maybe maybe I misheard you. Maybe you weren't necessarily saying what I think you were saying or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we we see a shot of Joe, uh, holding part of the 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 you know the the piece of luggage open and we see you can see that the name George Bailey is already engraved on it. And then Joe says to him, that's right. And then George says, well, uh, what's my name doing on it? And he goes, oh, a little present from old man Gower came down and picked it out himself. He did. What do you know about that? My old boss. Isn't that nice? What boat are you selling on? I'm working across on a cattle boat, a cattle boat. Okay. I like cows. <laughs> you see, uh, what <clears throat> I do wonder if the um, if the voiceover was maybe an afterthought almost in that scene because there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of uh, things going on that tell you that this is George Bailey from before. He mentions his trick here. Uh, he mentions uh, Mr. Gower. You see his name written on the <laughs> on the case. So I do wonder if maybe. They originally thought, oh, we need to let you know that this is George Bailey. So they do it. They do it on in the scene. So it it it, it means that the voiceover seems a bit kind of perfunctory, like it it doesn't seem like it's that necessary. So I wonder if that was added at a later date, just by the producers um, 
thinking that the audiences are dumb and <laughs> need some extra reinforcement. That's probably what it is. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them that that's why they would do that. Yeah. You know, just to add that in there. But, you know, but then it, it got me wondering, okay, how does, you know, is, is George going into this store every week and asking Joe, you know, what have you got? I'm looking for something I'm eventually going to need. You know, like how does Joe know and, and, you know, by extension, how does Mr. Gower know what type of, 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 uh, you know, suitcase George wants? I guess he's a well-known guy around town and he's planning to go away. I guess he's told a lot of people and his friends and family and stuff know that he's, he's planning on going away soon. But, um, I don't know. I think for me, it shows that he's a popular guy around town. Never knows him, never knows his family. And, uh, I think it's all part of the character building and scene setting. Yeah, but but again, it comes down to the fact that that uh, you know Mr. Gower knew exactly what it was that George is looking for, mm. and you know did they do you think he had a special order of this even though it's secondhand, or do you think it's something that he you know that he had in the store? You know that that that's the thing. I it it it, it would be strange for me that the fact that George would just show up at the store and say, all right, I'm looking for a suitcase. What have we got? Instead of, you know, it being something that maybe, like I said, it's a weekly or monthly uh, trip that he takes to the store and talks to Joe and says, Joe, I've been looking for, I'm, I'm going to be leaving in a few months. You know, I needed a suitcase. So, you know, tell me, let me know what you, what you're able to find, you know, and the fact that this is also, you know, that he's not only selling new luggage, he's selling also secondhand stuff. Hmm. You know, so and, and I wonder if back then is secondhand stuff, you know, uh, things that people have donated or do you buy a secondhand thing from your distributor or something like that just because you have you want to have, uh, you know, cheaper options or things like that. Yeah, possibly. I guess um, I guess it's something like luggage, something sturdy that can last like a proper old school luggage. Maybe it's maybe it's more of like they have an anti-client type of thing. I don't know it's uh yeah that is interesting because nowadays you kind of have separate stores for that but right yeah exactly and you have like all these these you know you have secondhand stores now but i don't think they had them back in the 20s you know you have like places no. where you can go in and buy you know secondhand clothes very cheap and things like that mm. you know and that that those are things that only became popular in the 60s and then in the 80s, they became even more specialized to, mm. you know, you can go to, you know, buy, you can go into a store to, to buy like a used tie or stuff like that, or, you know, formal wear or things like that. You know, but but back in when this is taking place, that's that's really far away from, you know, where people are going to be, uh, you know, using on a, on a regular basis, they're going to be buying secondhand stuff from yeah, people tend to. From a sporting goods, that's yeah. right. From a sporting goods store, mm. you know, and that's the thing that that sort of uh, threw me off a little bit there. <laughs> you know, he mentions that he can use it as a raft. So, I mean, obviously they've they've had rafts around for quite a long time. And what do, do you know? What type of material rafts are usually made out of now or then? <laughs> um, either. You know. I'd have thought now rafts you tend to you have the um have those kind of inflatable ones but i'd have thought back then it'd be more uh, just a small boat made out of wood <laughs> i don't know right so there the, the were things that could be made out of wood could be made out of barrels you know oh, like yeah. steel barrels uh sometimes uh pontoons 
which uh, you know which, which have inflated uh, air chambers and things like that. Mm. Um, it's a very ancient mode of transportation, and you know they've they've been used for for you know uh, you know centuries, thousands of years. You know, it's not something that you can specifically say, oh, this was something that was invented in the 12th century or whatever it is. You know, the, the types of rafts, those are the ones that are different. But the, the idea of, you know, the idea of using a raft and the way that it works, that, that's been around for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. You know, and obviously with, with how big the logging industry is and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, uh, wood rafts are something that, that, uh, you know, are, are quite common and things like that. And then he, he mentions the thing about, uh, about the, you know, uh, being on a cattle, a cattle boat. Do you know what that is? I guess just that, how it sounds really just a, a large kind of transport vessel for cows, I guess. Cattle. That's right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> as simple as it sounds. <laughs> um, they, they had, uh, in London, a place called the Foreign Cattle Market between uh, 1872 and 1913, where they were selling either uh, live cattle or fresh meat. And, you know, it would, you'd have to get everything there uh, over over the river. They had to go through the, the Thames to, to get there. And when they were bringing animals from, from overseas, so they had to have specially designed uh, boats that were able to 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 transport uh, cattle over them, you know some of them still get some of them you can have eighty five hundred you know head of cattle or twenty thousand sheep on one ship and stuff like that. Wow, you still get quite a lot of the cattle markets in the UK. Although I think especially where I grew up in Huddersfield, but I, I, it, it wasn't necessarily a cattle market anymore. It just used to be the old cattle market, and it keep, kept the name. Right. Um, yeah, so still get a lot of the um, areas around. That's right. Um, so yeah, that, that that that's where the 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 phrase actually comes from. Now I found this very interesting that uh, that they claim that Jack the Ripper was actually a cattle boat man. You know, it's one of the theories. So they have a theory that that wow. that he was a Portuguese cattle attendant on a boat uh, hmm. that that uh, docked in in England, and you know he he continued. You know, coming back. You know, he continued his work and he kept coming back to England, and that's when all the he would, he would be murdering, you know, the, these women when whenever he would be showing up again in uh, in in England. Now, again, this is not something that that anyone's able to prove. Now, this is just one of the theories. I mean, no one people still don't know what it is. No, there's still many theories. That's right. But it's it's an interesting idea that they would that they would have something like this. But uh, yeah. So that's everything I have to say about this minute. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Mm, I don't have loads to add for this one, really. I guess it's because it's kind of a continuation of what we were watching before. So, right. But no, I, I do think that this is it's quite an odd, odd line from um, Clarence uh, when he first sees George. He goes, it's a good face. I like it. <laughs> it's a bit random, but that's it's kind right. of nice. It adds to his kind of quirky camp. Friendly is it because character. is it because they're talking about? Uh, are they alluding to the fact that you know Jimmy Stewart is is a familiar face to be using? I think, I think so, probably, definitely. I think there is a bit of an in joke kind of postmodern, especially in Capra again. movies. I mean, he was what was he in I think four Capra movies before this one. You know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 
So it's sort of like, okay, this is the guy we're always going to remember. I mean, he was, he was, he was in, uh, uh, you can't take it with you. He was in Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He was in this one. He was also, oh, what were the ones that we mentioned the other day? There was something else that, 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 that he was in from Capra. No, I don't know if you don't, I can't think of any others. I keep wanting, I keep wanting to say that he directed Shop Around the Corner, but that wasn't, um, no. Capra, was it? No, that's Lubitsch. Well, only, only you can't take it with you and, uh, we can't take it with you, Mr. Smith goes to Washington in this movie. Hmm. I think it's just those three. For some reason, I thought that the, the list was much longer. I know. Uh, it, or at least it feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> the very big, memorable, favorite films, I guess. Yeah, it's true. You know, the th- three of those, uh, those are basically three of Capra's most famous movies. Yeah. Also, yeah. so it, it sort of makes sense that he would uh, use them. But I, for some reason, I keep thinking that he was in other movies of his also, but uh, I, I guess not. Because <laughs> Arsenic and Old Lace was Cary Grant. Yeah. And you can't... Mr. D's Good Town was. Um... Gary Cooper. Right, that was Gary Cooper. And Meet John Doe was, was, wasn't that also Gary Cooper? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know that one. Uh, and It Happened One Night was uh, Gary, not Craig Grant. Um, Clark Gable. I'm Clark Gable, that's the one. Okay, yeah, Gary Cooper was Meet John Doe also. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, okay. So, I, I, I sit corrected. That <laughs> It was only three of them. You can't take it with you. Mr. Smith goes to Washington and then this movie. Yeah, it was interesting. For some for some reason, I always had the impression that he was in more, more of uh, <laughs> no. more of his movies. Because he it wasn't any of his westerns, was he? Um, mm, I'm not sure. Don't think no, nothing famous. But um, I guess he didn't do any. I think none of his westerns are that famous. I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, well, none of um, Capra's ones are. Right. Ones are. We'll, get into, we'll get to those later. <laughs> that's, that's right. Hmm. Nope. So, yes, it's only those three movies. Okay. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about this before we get into today's segment? No, I'm good. Okay. So, today's segment is called It's a Wonderful Wednesday. Now, ever since this movie came out, seven, uh, was it 77 years ago? Yes, 77 years ago. Um, the trope of you know what would happen if a character is no longer involved in a story uh, has been used and reused so many times. I found literally hundreds of references to uh, TV shows, movies. Uh, you have even uh, comics, uh, music. There's so many different references of of uh, the idea of what happens if the main character is 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 missing and never existed. So therefore, you know, how would that affect the other characters? So uh, every week uh, at this segment, I choose one of them and just will we'll explain and, uh, you know, talk about the, the, the various uh, options. So the, the one I wanted to talk about is, have you ever seen the, uh, I guess you could sort of say it's a TV show. It's a short, uh, it, it's shorts. Okay, so the, the the reference that I decided to use for this week is uh, is from the the TV show uh, Robot Chicken. Have you ever you ever heard of it? I have heard of it. Uh, I've not watched enough of it yet, but um, I have heard of it. Right. Okay. So the, what they basically do there is they use stop motion animation of 
of usually action figures or things like that in order to uh, to sometimes mashups or so. they have like all these specialized Star Wars Star Wars episodes also, but you know every episode is just one after the other, you know uh, little skits about things that 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 most of us most of us grew up on. And uh, you know some of them are just hilarious. And the one of the ones that they use as the reference for for It's a Wonderful Life is is on an episode from the first season. It's a fifty second clip within one of the episodes, which is called "It's a Wimpy Filled Life." So the whole idea here is is that it's uh, you know Wimpy from Popeye, uh, and a, a the idea is is that it's connect the connection between Popeye and It's a Wonderful Life, right? And what they basically do here is is they have you know, Wimpy, who always wants hamburgers. So he's unsuccessfully trying to get a hamburger. And then he ends up getting uh, kicked out of the hamburger stand. And none of his friends will lend him any money. So he decides he's going to go commit suicide by jumping off a bridge. So he's standing on the bridge getting ready to, to commit suicide. And then an angel appears, Clarence, from, from this movie, and decides that he's going to try and convince Wimpy that it's not worth committing suicide. And he'll show him what the world would have been like if Wimpy was never born, right? But the, the problem here is, is that in this world, the way that's depicted, the the world would actually much better be much better without Wimpy. Wimpy. <laughs> so like Popeye and Bluto are friends and Popeye has hair and they, they have like olive oil running in a, uh, uh, a red swimsuit, you know, like uh, a la Baywatch. You know, so she's, uh, you know, I guess more voluptuous than she was beforehand. And then you have another character, Alice the Goon, who ends up uh, finding a way to cure cancer. At this point, uh, Clarence apologizes to, for, to Wimpy for wasting his time and then pushes him off the bridge. <laughs> and as he's falling, he just says hamburgers and then dies. <laughs> So whatever, it's 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 a fun little skit. I mean, you, anyone can go on YouTube, just you know, do a a quick search. It's it's a wimpy filled life, and you'll be able to see it. The, you know, some of the voices that they they used here, Dave Coulier did a lot of uh, the voices on Robot Chicken. So he did uh, Popeye and Bluto in this one. Uh, Seth Green does uh, Poop Deck Pappy, Clarence, Bluto, the Professor, uh, Kelly Hugh does the voice of Olive Oil. And then Wimpy is voiced by uh, Scott Scott at uh, Adsit. So yeah, it's it's a, a funny little thing. So you know, I I like the way that they did it, and uh, it it goes along with the the type of humor that they usually have in Robot Chicken uh, episodes. You know, because they they usually find ways to shock you by by doing something completely different than what you would expect. So you know, here's a perfect example. It reminds me a bit of um, it reminds me a bit of a British show called the Adam and Joe Show. Um, Adam Books. Well, it's at, it, it was in the nineties, I think, probably. But it's, it was Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish. And fully enough, Joe, I think yeah, it's Joe Cornish, isn't it? Joe Cornish has since gone on to direct um, movies. He directed. Uh, um, oh my brain! I've forgotten the name of it now. Just give us two seconds. Uh, Joe Cornish. Uh, Attack the Block. That was it. He, he, uh, he did mm, uh, road okay. directed Attack the Block. And the, I think it was The Boy Who Would Be King or something more recently. It was a bit ah, less successful. Yeah, okay, I've, I've seen that. It was a little strange. But yeah, he used to, he used to do a show with Adam Buxton um, that was very... It wasn't just stop motion, but um, it was a bit of a... It was, a, it was like a kind of a... Um, uh, I don't know what to call it. A, a, a kind of a skit comedy show, but it was a mixture of... They'd have scenes with them in like their kind of house or whatever, the kind of uh, studio house, whatever. Um, and uh, they'd have 
kind of acted out skits and uh, stop motion animated skits and a bit like uh, robot chicken it was all very kind of pop culture reference heavy sort of sort of stuff um i'm, I'm trying to think what came first really because it was as i say it was adam and joe i'm gonna look it up but it was 1996 it started um so but i don't know when when was robot chicken robot chicken started in 2001 ah so it was afterwards but um, but yeah, it's not exactly the same, but um, it kind of shared shared a bit of the same sort of DNA. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's worth it's worth it's worth looking up. Okay. Yeah, the Joe show. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, check that out. I wonder if they have a It's a Wonderful Life reference there also at some point. Maybe they do. Maybe <laughs> I'll be able to find that one too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So uh, David, you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find you? Uh, yeah, over at BlueprintReview.co.uk, and you can check out my uh, reviews of Blu-rays and. Uh, loads of different movies all right great and finding me is very simple just do a quick search for move around minute you can find me on facebook find me on twitter and you can find me on my website movearoundminute.com so until tomorrow hot dog hot dog i love you truly truly life with its sorrow Life with its tears